Hello, and welcome to This is Cannabis from X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. I'm your host, Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland craft cannabis company, High Five Farms. And with me in the studio today is my co-host, Emma Chasen, founder of Feminine Consulting. Hey, Lee. Happy I missed New- you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. How are you? I am okay. Yeah, how was your break? My break was fine. I was sick. I'm sorry. Um, but I was at home on Long Island with my family. I, like, took... I, like, actually took from like december 21st to january 2nd off yeah me which too which was a long stretch yeah. of time but it was so good yeah i like can't remember the last time i haven't worked for that long and it was really awesome and needed indeed i shut my computer set set up one of those like out of office replies on my email on yep. december 21st didn't turn it on until january 2nd yep same yeah same it was great it's necessary 800 emails (laughs) i know i know i know but absolutely necessary that's great yeah um Okay, well, I'm sorry you were sick. That's okay. How was your holiday? It was fine. It was fine. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was fine. Yeah, I'm. I don't like holidays. I hate the holidays. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm. I'm a bah hug humbug, Mr. Grinch. Yeah, Scrooge. Ebenezer whatever. Scrooge. Yeah, exactly. I will say. Uh, so I've got kids. So the holidays are sort of my 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 sort of long running distaste for the holidays. Uh, is tempered somewhat by the fact that I have got little kids. Yeah, so, like, which it's, makes it fun. There's a little bit of magic. We did, we watched, um, speaking of Ebenezer Scrooge, we watched The Muppets Christmas Carol. Had you ever seen it? Yes, it's wonderful. It is so good. Yeah, I love They love it. Like, I love The Muppets. I loved The Muppet Show. I love all the Muppet movies, but I'd never seen this one, and it's Michael Caine plays Ebenezer Scrooge, and what I thought was especially cool about it was that they really did all of Michael Caine's lines are literally from the Dickens. You can tell it's like mm-hmm. Dickens's... Uh, um, words you yeah. know what i mean as opposed to someone fictionalizing the words or making it more whatever because the muppets kind of bring that like contemporary levity Silly, you know right. yeah um uh, but all of all of michael Caine's is literally so you got i really was like enjoying sort of the novelistic like the language mm. you know the um uh yeah so that's Mu- awesome muppets uh christmas carols really really good yeah I, I bet i mean having kids makes the holidays definitely a little bit like Ooh, fun! They're about you know? they're they're like at the age where they they kind of think Santa's not real. Okay, yeah. Can I say that? I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, do you think that little kids watch are our listen, show? Are, listen, are listening to this is Kansas? <laughs> I don't know. If you believe in Santa, I don't want to pull a Megan Kelly so here. Sorry. You know, yeah. Hey, um, so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, of course, uh, it was a, it, my house was just like destroyed after my kids being home from school right. for two and a half weeks. And yeah, I'm ready for them to get out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we had a lot. Of, we had family in, and um, it's always a, a big hullabaloo. So it was a big hullabaloo. But yeah. but it's over. It's 2019. Nancy Pelosi's taking the gavel today. Yep. Boom. Yep. Yep. New uh, new Congress, folks. Yes, which is awesome. Like I love seeing the the cohort of amazing women who are coming into Congress. Yep. I am terrified for the upcoming Democratic primaries. It's just going to be another year of political hell. Yeah. But what else is new? What else is new? This is yeah. There's a. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter. It remains sort of uh, one of the things that I think about a lot. You know, was a woman said, "I scream, you scream, we all scream. This is our life now." <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. God. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but, but, but today, today, new Congress. Yeah. So that is crazy exciting. Yeah. Some, some kind of bright light in the very dismal reality. The first amount of bright light. That is America. I, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm hopeful, but, you know, I'm just going to say at least, at least there's a new Congress. Yeah. 
Yep, I have zero expectations. That's AOC. AOC. What is that? Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Yes, yes, of course, she's amazing. She's amazing. I am. She, she's, I'm, I super, I live a lot on Twitter, and, um, and she is just really, really good at Twitter, and oftentimes I will see. And social media too. Yeah. Like Instagram, she's wonderful. Can I tell you what was so great? Please. Didn't look at Instagram once. Wow. I need to do that for myself. Over my whole break. Yeah. I need to do that for myself. Yeah. I had a bunch of things scheduled, and I just didn't even look at it. Good for you. Didn't even look at it. I was like, I don't care how many likes these things are getting. No, it's all pointless. Yeah. (laughs) Happy New Year! Happy New Year! From the dismal folks on this. Uh, so we have a good show coming up. Uh, you were not able to join this conversation. No, yeah, I I was already back in New York. Yes. So uh, we recorded. I recorded with a really, really, really lovely person. Uh, her name is Miss Oregon. Oh. Uh, she is a cannabis diversity advocate. Hell yeah! And uh, I think it's a it, it's a it's a really great conversation. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, funny thing that happens at the end because I am a goofy white guy mm-hmm. and uh, um, I I believe that, you know, talking about sort of racial issues is important, although I don't think I'm very good at it. Right. Uh, and so at the end, I, you know, I thank her and I say, uh, you know, thank you very much for c- coming on. I know that this this can be some, you know, these sometimes are a challenging conversation. And she just looked at me and she goes, it's not challenging for me. And I was like, oh solid and like <laughs> you know and like we have a yes. friend you know it was really really funny but i was just like yeah yeah totally just for me that's uh, amazing yeah so Good. it was she definitely sort of uh very very lovingly and you know and with respect but you like know, checked you checked a little me bit. and i it was, was like, like i have to have these conversations all the time yeah and 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 uh yeah Good. It was it was pretty. Oh, funny. I'm looking forward to hearing it even it was, more now. It was pretty funny. It's pretty. <laughs> I I enjoyed it for my own sort of sense of uh uh not embarrassment but you know I it was yeah. Check your privilege. I, I, yeah, indeed. So let's go to that conversation now. Awesome. All right, we're going to go to uh, Miss Oregon. Miss hmm. Oregon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How you doing? I'm very well today. It's great to see you. Thank you. Um, so uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about, uh, but first I wanted to ask if you could tell uh, me and us a little bit about yourself and your history and how you came to all this. Well, a little bit about myself. Uh, I am a Portland native, Mm -hmm. born and raised, um, and I have been a part of the cannabis industry, honestly, since probably I was about 13, the first time I ever trimmed any type of marijuana Mm -hmm. and learned about how marijuana helps cancer patients. Um, I have grown up here all my life, and what has brought me into the cannabis industry and wanting to help is noticing the lack for um, voices for demographics that are not just white. Right. Um, and I mean Me all, too. all demographics. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so though I am black, I do um, pride myself in representing for everybody to be heard and to be acknowledged yeah. um, in this industry. Um, so myself, what really brought me into wanting to be an advocate for this is uh, I was fired for my skin color. Um, and you haven't told me this. Yeah, I was fired for my skin color. Um, (laughs) and I was actually told that, uh, to my face. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty big deal there from, uh, a dispensary. Yes. I was working at a dispensary that I had a friend. No, I had a, I mean, it's not important right now. 
Um, I had a friend that helped me get a job at a dispensary mm-hmm. because I had put in about maybe 60 different applications in the city of Portland at dispensaries mm-hmm. and occurred about two interviews um, out of all the applications I put in. Yeah. And so my friend helped me out and got me a job and uh, I had noticed some things at the job and <laughs> okay. I I wanted to speak up about them, but I did not speak mm-hmm. up sure. about them. And yeah. I had some coworkers say, hey, why are you not speaking up? And I said, because as an African-American in the workplace, if I choose to speak up, I could be looked at in a right. negative way. And I sure. don't want anyone for that. to look at me in a negative way. Sure. And I need I, this job. I said, African-Americans get treated different in the workplace. And um, I got fired for making that statement. God, that is so. They said that it's that considered is, the drama. The levels to that is ridiculous. Uh, they said it's considered drama, and I need to learn to be quiet and do my job. Damn. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's put a pin in that. I want to come back to that. <laughs> all right. Um, I want to. I want to still continue to sort of educate our listeners about about you and the work that you do. So, um, so I would like to ask you to tell me about your business, Ambit. Yes. So, Ambit. Um, after that happened. I said, I want to teach people how to communicate. I don't want African-Americans to be scared to communicate with their employers, and I don't want the employers to feel caged on who they hire because they don't know how to communicate with people outside of maybe their normal social boxes. Right. I also am a sales expert. I love doing sales. I love engaging with people. And um, if you know how to talk to people, you can actually hire your sales potential in your business. So I wanted to put those communication and those sales skills together, which I have, and so I created Ambit. Right. Let and- me let me stop right there. I want to read this quote that I have from you about Ambit. Learning how to engage with those outside of your normal social circles can improve your skill set and sales if you own a business. Um, I think that's a pretty beautiful uh, and hopeful mission statement, and it's also like such an obvious one. Mm-hmm. And and yet, and unfortunately, it seems to me to kind of diagnose so much of like the issues of inclusion in the cannabis industry here, and also like of course a lot of the issues of like social segregation in society in general, right? Um, so. Yeah, please, please go on. I just wanted I wanted to get that quote in there because I loved it so yes, much. Yes, totally. I feel like we're heading toward a place in society where cultures are becoming more accepting of one another. And so you will find businesses that are predominantly white wanting to engage with other diverse backgrounds, right. but not necessarily knowing how to right. or how to speak to those people. Or maybe that business has hired someone as their manager or the person who does their hiring. And that person is maybe someone who doesn't know how to engage with the community right. so that way they can get the best people into the business working as well as the best results when it comes to selling products. Right. And so right. my mission is definitely to help all those businesses. Right now I just have a focus in the cannabis industry because it affected me personally. And yeah. I see a lot of people saying um, that they feel um, African-Americans and other races aren't being let in because of racism. Um, and I am a true believer that one, I will say there is a lot of racism in the world, but I really in my heart feel that communication is a setback. Um, the people who are not racist in any sort of way right. that genuinely want to connect with people outside of their regular social boxes, mm-hmm. um, they sure. just don't know how to communicate. Um, and I have seen employers, and I've had employers say to me before, who is looking at me as a, a comrade. So they're talking to me in ways that they may not talk to everybody else. Right. And they're letting me in on these inside scoops right. of how they feel. And they're like, 
you know, they've interviewed African-Americans like, I just can't get this person. I don't understand how they talk or I couldn't. I asked them about, you know, scheduling and it just feels like it's going in circles and, you know, people feel like they're just not communicating well. And one thing I have to, I like to remind people, not have to, but I like to remind people is, you know, if you specialize in whatever your business is, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you specialize in communicating with the community that you've just built this whole business in. Right. You need to develop those skills so that way you're engaging with your consumers and showing the community that you just came and built this business in that you care about them too and a lot of the community feels shut out and yeah let's, i mean let's talk about that you know i i i have here i mean you and i um you told me over lunch recently that the black community is you feel like has been totally turned off by the scene here do you feel like i mean you know i don't mean to put you on the spot but what do you um not honestly I feel like the black community here is overlooked. I feel like we have been put into a box to be criminalized if we do anything with the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like at the same time, excuse me, I feel like at the same time, a lot of people here, not just the African-Americans, but the cannabis culture here in Portland has been overlooked and taken over by people with money Mm -hmm. um from the blacks to the whites anybody who doesn't didn't come into this with a with an investor or a bag of money they're basically left behind right um and that is is including the black population that's here in portland uh the entire state of oregon is only two percent african-americans so i can't even imagine if the cannabis industry is less than one percent in the United States. I can't imagine what the, the 10 are. of us here that's doing things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, it's got to be yeah, yeah, a handful yeah. of us. For we real. can name names and everybody knows each other, the right. people that are actually creating a presence here to show that we are here too. And we want to be a part of this industry in a positive way. We want to change the outlooks on African-Americans in this industry. And um, we have an opportunity to do that. And so I just want to make sure that everybody... That's what Ambit is there for. Right. Is so if- let's let's go back to sort of, you know, let's say black people feeling like they've been not only turned off but shut out and uh, of the of the industry and and like and the issues of of communication and the work that you're doing, you know what I mean? Like another great quote I have um, that I've sort of taken off your Instagram <laughs> is let your brand be a part of social change. Now let me tell you like when I came into the cannabis industry in like 2014, um you know, I really, and I continue to see it, but it's gotten a lot more complicated. But I, I really saw cannabis as sort of a, a new vehicle, like for social change, just like you said. I saw it as a vehicle for for women, you know, to as business owners uh, that it could be because it was this like new thing that wasn't tied to any sort of historical legacy of capitalist of capitalism. You know what I mean? The way that other so many other industries are for women, for minorities, for like kind of like hippie music people like me you know what i mean to to sort of this was going to be kind of our thing that we could kind of uh succeed at um i still believe that to an extent it's getting less i believe that less and less all the time um but yeah i mean it's so i still i i still want to just like i don't know it really feels like to me if i can if i can my thoughts on the issue you know um 
are it just seems like the the crisis in communication is really I think a lot of it has to do with socioeconomics you know um, I think it has to do with um, you know I don't mean to make a I don't want to sound like an apologist here I like you said I don't believe that there's like an overwhelming racism in the industry right um, I think the industry is in fact a bunch of well-meaning white people but who just are clueless about about race you know what i mean and and um and because and because oregon is such a predominantly white place they're um you know they're not as socialized to to interacting with other non-white people you know like and and so what i think that you're doing is uh, you know being so sort of upfront about it and being sort of so empathetic about that um, is super super amazing, you know. I, I think that you, I think that you, you're taking a like a truly like empathetic, heartfelt approach to wanting to be a bridge there, and I think that's awesome. Yes, and it's on both sides. Um, I've worked in a few different dispensaries here in Portland, and when it comes to seeing how the bartenders or the managers of those stores are engaging with the consumers that come inside, right. how they're educating them, um, how they're selling products to them, um, I have definitely noticed that it is both sides that needs the help. Um, the African American community needs help learning to engage and talk to the white community, just like the white community needs to learn how to engage and talk with other communities as well. Um, you know, and it really shows forth in your in your employees. If, if people are paying attention to how their employees are engaging with people that come in, they'll see if their store needs that help or not. Right. If um, you have one employee who's talking and selling and add-ons and upselling to right. everyone that walks in that door, that person is engaging fully. But if you have somebody that switches their personality based on the customer in front of them, then they are actually doing what's called stimulus discrimination. And, Interesting. Um, yeah, and it's actually not great. We all no, do. Yeah, we yeah. all do. We all stimulus discrimination in, in the weirdest ways is right. my favorite kind of discrimination. Mm -hmm. And I say this Tell because because stimulus that. discrimination is what you do. It's as easy to an example of that is say you invited me over to your house. Okay. Before I come, you cleaning up, mm -hmm. right? Right. It's got to be perfect. Mm -hmm. You don't want Miss Oregon to see anything out of place. Of course. Okay. Yeah. But when your friend John comes over. You don't care. Right. You laying on the couch in the blanket. <laughs> you yeah, know, my, you don't in, in my boxers. You don't mind. Yeah. Right. You don't care, right? You're not gonna do that for him. That's actually a form of discrimination against your friend John. Interesting. <laughs> because right. no, you're, I get it. you're treating sure. us different. And it's yeah. it's one of those things we do without thinking. Right. We just throw people, especially if they feel like they're close to us, we throw them in a box. Yeah. You know, or you might go to my house and say, I'm not gonna go through her cabinets, even though I need a Q tip. You might go to some John's house and you're like, I'm taking all his Q-tips because right. that's my friend. Right. That's another form. And I'm form. comfortable. Right. People, right. people, people discriminate without even knowing it. And um, so I want to help people to be aware of that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And when I say, does your brand want to be a part of a social change? It's like just by that brand linking with me and allowing me to either throw their brand uh, engagement event right? or come and do a co-buttender pop-up, mm -hmm. those things help show that that brand is help spreading the awareness for this social change. Because when I'm in there, yeah. 
I'm not just they share the mission. Yeah, they're I'm doing <laughs> something about it. You know, trying to do something about it. Exactly, right? I mean, supporting my business is supporting um, uh, the African Americans in the community because any money or any services that I wound up getting back in return from the services I give, I share with everybody. Mm-hmm. So you might right. feel like you're just bringing me in, but you're not, because I'm about to take everything that you give me. And I'm going to sprinkle it around like little gold fairy dust to this whole city. Like, that's why I, I have partnerships with people who um, have education to spread. And, and we spread this education to the dispensaries. But it's like the people that come into the dispensaries are the ones asking the questions. We need to make sure that these people are getting that education that we're getting before they even hit the store. Why not? Why are we not making sure that they don't? So they know what to come in looking for instead of when they get there. Just I've never heard of CBD what is a trichrome? Right. I mean, it's interesting when I think about it. It's like there's such an interesting sort of double. There's there's two sort of things at play at the same time. I'd imagine for you know there's there's um, you know there's there's so much racial anxiety in society and you know and then you sort of you sort of crystallize that a little bit more. There's a lot of racial anxiety I think in the in the Oregon cannabis industry because like I, again I do think there's a lot of well-meaning people uh, you know out there who like you know, uh, want to be inclusive and they, you know, and, and just sort of don't, don't exactly aren't maybe, I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a big proponent. That's why I asked you to come on the show. I'm a big proponent. I think the industry is doing very well at it, you know? And then on the other side, you know, and then also, you know, there's still sort of like a, a, a fundamental lack of education for everybody in the industry about, about cannabis, cannabis products, cannabis itself, you know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that including me, by the way, you know, it's why I have Emma here with me most of the time. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, so there's just like all of these different sort of uncomfortable um, things that sort of pile up on each, on, on each other, you know, like, do you agree with that? Do you think, uh, you know, feel free to disagree with me on that, but. Um, I feel like what you're saying to a point is correct. And I feel like in my mind, just listening to you talk a I feel like there's a fix. Right. And the if people, fix, well, I mean, I think the fix is exactly what you do, which is just trying to get people to interact with each other more and be more comfortable. Just bring them around each other. Right? Invite those people. Help people get educated. The more educated you are, no matter what background you are, the more educated you become, the more empowered you become. Mm-hmm. The more people that you can basically like network with yeah. uh, and plug into yeah. and be exposed to. Associate. Associate yourself yeah. with, you know, what you're around is what you become. Right. I mean, it's so, like you're going in your friend's yeah, cabinet so, for a so Q-tip. So if we have this whole population of people who have been criminalized right. and made to look like thugs if they do anything to do with marijuana. Yeah. And then we have this other side. As opposed to these, uh, these like <laughs> that are friendly white people who the cops have been looking pillars at the of for community. 50 years about it. Right. Pillars of the community yeah, for yeah. dealing with weed. Totally. <laughs> but this person no, is absolutely. a thug. You know, it's like, how do we mush that? Mm-hmm. How do we get those people to feel like to change their train of thinking one till they're you're not a thug? Nobody should have ever said that to you. And let's get you the education to know how you can engage in the community. Let's find you a niche. Let's find right. you your place. Let's figure out your skills. I go out there and I sit down with people. I do their resumes. Mm-hmm. I find their skills. And I make them engage. Right. If someone tells me that they want to create a balm or they want to create an edible or they want to grow weed, I link them with a grower. I will reach out to my grower friends and say, hey, can we do job shadowing at your farm? You know? Yeah. Or, 
hey, yeah. um, this they person wants to. They call it stodging in the, yeah. in the restaurant industry. Stodging? Stodge, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. the whole point is to link people. Or if I get a chance to bring people to an event where I know there's going to be people in the industry that is a part of the niche they're looking to get into, right. then I will strategically bring that person with me to the event and I will make sure that I introduce them to folks and let them know, hey, this person's looking to get into the industry. This person's looking to get in. Can we, you know, make a yeah. time for you guys to meet outside of this event? Because yeah. events Work. are not necessarily the best place to talk, but they're a good place to meet and network. So yes, I was just going to say, let me stop right there, and I was going to say you you do a lot of t- you do a lot of events of your own around town um, through your organization Art in Motion, um, networking events, community engagement focused events. Can you tell us about those? Yes, uh, Art in Motion is what I consider personally to be my baby step for Portland. Um, I want to help the people in Portland learn to, like I said, speak with people and talk with people, network with people, grow with people outside of their normal social boxes because the potential of people you didn't think you would talk to, they can take you places. They can take your business places. And so what I did was I created Art in Motion a meetup group that celebrates art and all of its diverseness. There's a lot of different aspects to art, especially being from Portland. There's not just one kind of art. Sure. Here, I don't even know if you're allowed to label anything <laughs> as specifically I art. I it, yeah, yeah. Like anything can be art here, and that's very appreciated in this city. Um, and with me wanting to have the growth, I decided to take art as the opener because art is whatever we can whatever we want to create it to be. And so Art in Motion is basically a space to where people can come together and network with people outside of their normal so- outside of their normal social boxes mm. while celebrating different types of art. And um, some of the reoccurring events that we do in the summertime, we do a bonfire, an Art in Motion bonfire, um, a diversity bonfire. Nice. <laughs> and we have some awesome. of the brands come and it's usually in somebody's backyard mm-hmm. where cannabis can be consumed exactly in a mm-hmm. private location in right. someone's backyard where we'll bring in three or four different vendors um a lot of times i like to show off vendors that are in the medical community because i do also feel like the medical community right now is kind of being overlooked too because recreation right. is taken off so much yeah. that they're oh just kind of being swept to the side but these also, people are yeah. real people with families that want to get their brands out there too and they're still supporting the medical patients, sure. which are the people that help pave way to the recreation. We had to go through the medical side first. Damn right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it's like, they've been kind of tossed to the side too. So I like to highlight those brands at my events. That's great. Um, to, you know, yeah. like I just yeah, said. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the medical community here is. <clears throat> so yeah, the bonfire. There was is, never a lot of money in the medical, in, <laughs> you know, like as opposed to, as opposed to adult use legal cannabis. Yeah, right? the, so. the money in Portland is, is in underground recreational use. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even think the money is necessarily in the the facilities still. The Portland knows that. And that's why they're going for exporting. And mm-hmm. that's why they're going for, you know, legalization of public consumption because we have so much here to give. And if, they allow us to do it the right way, we can help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the retail facilities here in Portland, people come here for that, but that's not even the fun part of Portland, <laughs> right. to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a struggle for, I mean, I don't mean, I mean, I know the medical community is struggling the worst, but it's also, uh, there's a lot of retail 
retailers and growers oh, that yeah. are struggling too. But oh, we don't want to yeah. talk. I don't want to talk. Whole another episode, yeah, man. Yeah, totally, the farmers man. need our help, definitely. Um, so yeah, so the Art in Motion events, and you guys, you also do, you also have, you do pop ups. Yes. So the pop ups will be launching in 2019. Um, the pop ups basically will be a group of awesome people here of all diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. that dispensaries can hire to bring up their sales in a day mm-hmm. and also give their facility a chance to show community engagement yeah. and um, also allow for diversity training, one day diversity trainings. Right. So the crew for Diversify Portland, we're, and I'll explain what Diversify Portland is. Okay. Uh, the crew for Diversify Portland, again, will just be some community members that are marijuana oil CC. They got the handler's permits and yes, stuff. Yes, they yeah. have their permits and they will be coming in and if a brand has a product that's moving slow, um, customer engagement issues, um, anything that has to do with their sales, period. Right. Because you guys kind of bring your own, you you do promotion, you guys kind of bring your own thing when you that's come like in. It's like bringing a party to your dispensary. Right, exactly. Like even if you just have one of us come, we have a lot of friends and stuff that's going to come. We'll also bring um, one of our favorite brands with us at the time to give out free samples to the public, engage. And um, we like to target a brand in that facility that might be moving slow because the whole point is to bring money to that right. company right. but also do some insu- some training and engagement with their staff. So the staff that's there is going to get a chance to see how to upsell. They're going to get a chance to see how to do add-ons. They're going to get a chance to see how to talk to people maybe outside of their normal social boxes. Right. They'll get one-on-one training with a diversified Portland crew member um, and or myself um, for that day. And, you know, the whole point is to come in and try to do as much social change and work that we can in a day with that dispensary. I'm so glad you're doing this. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I like selling weed. Yeah. And I like talking to people. Right. And and um, if I, love I can the spirit, help. I love the spirit you bring to it. Thank you. Yeah. I just want to help. I just want to help your dispensary sell as much weed as possible to everybody. <laughs> Not just the right. person that you're, you know, your your best bud tender is most comfortable with. But we want to get those bud tenders outside of their normal comfort zones so they can raise those sales up as well. So, you know, before we go to a break, I wanted to ask you, you know, and I don't want you to give away your secret sauce. But like when you talk about, I mean, like diversity training, um, you know, in 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 corporate America, that's an absolutely a real thing. You know, I mean, it's a real it's a it's a. Pro, it's a problem in corporate America too, obviously, but it's it, but it's a it's a service that gets provided to lots of different kinds of business. I'm so glad they're doing it here. But like, what are what are some of the, you know, pillars or tenets of of the tr- kinds of trainings that you do? You know, if you and if you don't want to tell me on air because you don't want to, you know what? My whole point is to get everyone to change. Right. I'm not holding back okay. no secret well, I, sauce. You know, I just want to make sure I'm not that, holding know, back not no secret. Give, I'm not know. holding back no secret sauce because, uh, you know the. The key to making it work is me. So you still got to get me. Right. <laughs> you know right. So you still, right. nobody else is me. Right. You know what I'm saying? But That's right. I encourage everyone to teach active listening. Okay. Um, and t- t- Please tell me what that is. I mean, I, I, I assume I know what it is. But I please. feel so nerdy for even yeah. saying this. I don't know. This, is, this <laughs> but, is like the nerd space, man. Come on. Awesome. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, let's, get, let's talk about so it. So when, you know, active listening 
is when you're listening and you're not waiting to say something back. You have no judgments in your head why this person is talking. You're not waiting to say anything. Mm -hmm. You're fully engaged with what that person is bringing you to the table. And you're ready to accept it. And um, even though that sounds super complex for just selling weed, it means something. Because when that customer steps up to the counter, we interact with so many different people. That person might be coming in because they just had a cancer treatment. Right. Or maybe they're having a stress. Maybe I've had people come to the counter that's depressed and talked about how they wanted to hurt themselves earlier that right. day. So when you're a bartender, you're not just selling the weed. You're it's literally not like, just reading a screen. No, no, no. All sales is interpersonal communication. I mean, so, Absolutely. Yeah. And so being able to engage in those ways, that's going to set off your sale. So teaching your bud tenders to say hello with the most enthusiastic personality ever and then engage by active listening, by letting them tell you what they want, by not, you know, um, if someone comes in and says, oh, hi, I just want to get an eighth today, you know, it's like, okay, what are you, my first thing I say is, what are you about to do today? Mm-hmm. You know, and get them to engage with me. What are you about to do? And they're like, oh, I'm going to a party. And then I'm going here. Or you might get someone says, oh, I'm just getting a little bit. I just want to go home. You know, listening to those things lets you know where to go. Because if someone's coming in for an eighth and they're going to a party, they want more than an eighth. You know, right. so that right there is going to show the customer one you're engaging with them. Right. So you're actually caring about their day. You know what I'm saying? You you're getting to know them on a more personal level. And when people become personally attached to facilities, they shop with only that facility. Right. For sure. So, facility. Sorry. So if you can get that consumer or that customer to think you yeah. not think, but know that your facility cares about them and what they're even doing in their day. You're going to become their favorite. Mm -hmm. You're going to be their favorite bud tender or their favorite spot to go because they love all the bud tenders, especially if everybody is engaging in the same way. And so that's that's really important. All right. Great. So let's take a break and we'll come back and talk some more. You are listening to This Is Cannabis on X-Ray This Is Cannabis is brought to you by the Craft Cannabis Alliance. The Craft Cannabis Alliance is a network of values-driven, Oregon-owned companies committed to defining, supporting, and celebrating authentic craft cannabis and building an industry dedicated to people, place, planet, and plant. The Alliance is leading the fight for interstate commerce in legal cannabis through the One Fix campaign. Export is the centerpiece of a successful Oregon industry that will support hundreds of farms and dozens of companies, providing world-class artisan products to legal markets and cannabis lovers everywhere. All right, and we are back. If you are just joining us, you are listening to This Is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, and with me in the studio is my guest, cannabis diversity advocate and trainer and speaker, Miss Oregon. Hello. Hello. Thank you for staying with me. Uh, My co-host, Emma Chasen, is off today. I wanted to ask you two main questions for our second segment here. Um, the first is, and we teased it a little bit in our introduction, but I wanted to ask you if you would share some of your, your thoughts and experiences as a black woman in the industry. Yes. Do you have any specific categories good, for this? Bad. You know, I mean, if we're, if I, okay, good question. You know, I mean, if we're, if we're, if we've sort of been discussing, um, you know, um, a a, a, a a general lack of inclusion in the industry and the reasons for it um you know you've you've been 
you've been in the industry for a little bit and you've had, I would imagine some, some good experiences and some bad experiences. And so, you know, you know, what I guess I'm, I'm interested in is, is like, what have those experiences been and how, um, how unique to, to your experience do you think they've been or how sort of universal do you think maybe they are? Well, Let's start with the good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I don't. I like good things, I, and I, I yeah. have so much to say about the bad. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. let's. Well, let's so start let, with... let me also say, like, I feel like it's helpful to. I don't want to focus on the bad, right? Because yeah, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm a relatively optimistic person, but it's also doing a disservice, I think, to this conversation and to the topic if we if we pretend don't talk about it. There. If we pretend like. Absolutely. Yeah. Understood. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm. Yeah, so some really awesome things I've experienced in this industry that has been great for me, um, I would say is the openness. There are a lot of people here that are open to helping African Americans. Mm -hmm. um, and the openness of the industry that right now, it's it's a niche market. And if you can figure out what you want to do in it, it's an open field. Right. So that's one of my favorite things and my favorite experience with this because the reason it's my favorite is because I was allowed to be me. I was right. allowed to develop myself. I was allowed to develop my career, my business off this being an open field. And I am inspired and I'm stimulated. And I want to stimulate other African Americans to recognize that there is an open market right now. So as much as it seems like we're being left out, there is an open field to take over as well. Mm -hmm. And you just have to make yourself present and stand firm in what you want to do. Be sure about Word. what you want to do yep. and take that over. Just do it. Don't wait for nothing. Right. Just do it right now before somebody else does it. Right. Um, so that's my favorite, favorite thing. That's awesome. Um, about the industry. Uh, the thing in the industry that is a little hard to deal with right now for myself as an African-American is the lack of inclusion with employers. Um, it's very hard for people of color to get employed by brands um, because a lot of the brands that are hiring right now in our city and other cities where it's legal um, are ran by white people. It's a very white space. And again, that communication barrier, you know, them either being people who don't want to hire somebody because they don't want to get them in there and they think maybe conflict will happen or right. something, you know, right. and so they're just not giving people a chance. Um, that's something that's very bothersome to me as well as tokenizing. Um, I have noticed even in Portland, um, some of the white groups that's here uh, taking advantage of African-Americans in a way that they're making it seem like they have African-American members and platforming these right. African-Americans. Let's but get the people... one black guy to be right in the front for the yeah, company picture. Yeah, man, that's so annoying. <laughs> and and some of these... I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, dude. Some of these people that's being tokenized have yeah. very high depression issues, very um, low self-esteem, very under-empowered people, um, very uneducated. And um, the people who are educated, black and white, because I've seen that, in this city are taking advantage of the uneducated mm -hmm. yep. and so you know that 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 to me is the most the tokenizing of the uneducated folks mm. by all sides of the community because the black community in portland is actually taking advantage of that as well because the black community here wants to make money and so they they they're feeling left out they're trying to scramble up ways to get in 
you know, they're pushing down doors to get in and they want to put on good full heartedly. They want to put on for black folks. But the thing is, they don't have the money to back themselves up. Right. So they're being put in positions to have to use people to get themselves up. Sure. And so, you know, this whole crab in a barrel type mentality with African-Americans in this industry in that aspect when it comes to using uneducated people like I'm not. I'm, that's some of the the worst that I've seen, honestly, because the we can go every day. And as a diversity advocate, I can go every day and I can hold accountable the white community and say, hey, you want to do this? You guys can't do that. You know, let let me help you do this. Right. And people in the white community are saying, let me I want to help you guys. Right. But the black community is kind of. um Not the ones that are educated are scared to be misused. And um, the ones that are not educated are being used. I'd also imagine because of the sort of the legacy of of you know I mean you know there's I, there's a statistic I, I I remember and just I find it very very instructive where you know white people and black people basically smoke weed in in, in roughly the same number and you're like seven times more likely as a black person to be arrested for it you know what I mean over the course of whatever per the war on drugs and and um, sort of. And you know, hardcore and criminal justice uh, enforcement, and I'd imagine that's probably pretty hard to shake off, even in a legal in, even in a, in a, even in the now legal market, right? Yeah. I mean, you, t- tell me if you think I'm wrong, but no, I don't think you're wrong at all. And uh, earlier in our conversation, you had actually pointed out how great it felt that the cannabis was becoming legal because it was like a, your own way of saying like a. This open thing that's not right. tampered with by capitalism yeah. and things of that nature, um, and I feel like. <laughs> Do you feel like that's true for white people? Uh, like totally. I, tell know, me, man. I, you're not gonna hurt my like, feelings. I you feel know? like I feel like that would be true if the word strategy wasn't real, <laughs> and I feel like it was a strategic method to lock up African Americans. Oh sure. First of all, they distributed the weed because like, we wasn't it. growing it. Yeah. To this day, we're still trying to educate African Americans on how to grow weed. When you look at all the growers that's out here, it's the white population. They're super scientists. Right. You know, right. the black population is is rolling weed, not growing weed. Right. You know, we still have to educate that population on how to even do that so they can be master growers and stuff, too. So so the proof is in the pudding. These people did not know how to grow this marijuana. How did all this weed get to the neighborhoods? You know, white people went and dropped off large amounts of marijuana in yep. neighborhoods with crack and a lot of other drugs, you know, and they and they put it out there strategically to get folks locked up on drugs, strung out, kill themselves, you know, to tear up the neighborhoods. And it's like, we can't overlook that strategy because that was there and that's what happened. And now a, a, a mass amount of people are locked up. Yeah. And now strategically, or is it by chance? Is, is it really by chance? Or is it strategic that all of a sudden marijuana is legal and people have been saving up for all these investments and people are now launching all these big ideas and all this. This, excuse me, I almost cussed. Yeah, yeah. It didn't right. happen Thank overnight. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen overnight. You know what I mean? People are smarter than we're giving them credit for. And if you look at the numbers, that's why you know forty percent of the people still locked up for weed right now are black. You know, and so uh, all I can do in in what I feel like right now, my mission is to empower the people. So let's talk about that story again a little bit, if if it's okay with you, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and I see it as, and I and I bring it back up just because, 
you know, it is, it's such an interesting, and forgive me, I don't mean to, you know, I'm, I'm talking sort of theoretically, but like this was actually your experience. So I don't mean to minimize it or not be sensitive to it, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, it's an interesting, when you talk about sort of like employers, you know, um, you know, focusing on, 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 let's say white people so that to avoid like sort of the, the conflict and the drama that, uh, y- you know, that was exactly what happened to you. You know what I mean? Like your, your, that story is very, very instructive to me about when you reverse engineer, you know, what happened in that situation, a lot of times, uh, you know, again, theoretically, I'm not saying anybody's doing this, but I think you probably are, and, and for good reason, you know, there's we, we have this sort of like, uh, you know, uh, minority applicants are not being hired because because they're there because of that fear of, of drama and, and conflict for, again, going back to our our first conversation people don't people don't have these shared experiences and they don't they can't they don't you know they they grew up in different socioeconomic uh things or just even different neighborhoods and you know i mean this is sort of like tribalism at its most you know elemental yeah. right so it's like, i mean we're really going to fix racism in america right now if we just you know just keep talking about this and no, i'm just kidding <laughs> right but, just but, you I... know but like you but going back to like your that story of of you being uh, fired for drama, I would okay. So check is this really out. a head trip I'm about to, to me. I'm about to. That's really something. Say let me something. just say that's something I've never had any experience with. I you have know? to say this. I am so tired with white people trying to say that African Americans are dramatic, mm-hmm. and that anytime we speak up, especially as a woman, right? African American women are made to look hard. Right. We're not even allowed to be feminine. The idea of what feminine character is, is not a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. And if you're tall or you're thicker or bigger, you're definitely this aggressive being. Um, it is annoying to be looked at as aggressive just for standing up for myself. Sure. Because yeah, yeah. I have grown up here in Portland, and I'm sorry, but nobody stands up for themselves like a white woman. And they will yell at their employer. They will stomp their feet. They will tell them off. Mm-hmm. They don't get fired. And if a black woman says anything that says, hey, I don't even like being talked to that way. We're aggressive. Right. That is so annoying. Trouble. I, yeah, it's just it's just not right. And so the stigma that the white community has over African-Americans thinking that we bring drama, that we bring aggressiveness to the table, that we're unruly, uncontrolling, um, you know, rebels, that those kind of tags and titles being placed upon us are so opposite of what's actually happened in history to us. Mm-hmm. We're not the ones that's aggressive. We're the ones who are fighting for themselves. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not mean. We're not vulgar unless somebody is coming to try to drown us. Right. Well, it's like just, what are we supposed if, to if, do? No, to me it's simply like I mean, you know, forget me, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but like, you know, you if if you show me the same respect that I'll show you and we won't have a problem, but when you don't get shown the respect yeah. and then you stand up for yourself. The truth is white America is allowed to do whatever the hell they want. And if we even talk about what we want to do we aggressive right. just for talking about it right just for saying something you know this whole thing with saying african americans are are aggressive if we were able to be treated like everybody else in the workplace and we don't have to hide our hair we don't have to hide how we dress we don't have to talk differently then they would probably have not probably they would have better results cuz they would have real people working there being their right. real selves right and when you look around a room, you know, the one of the most awesome quotes I heard is a man said to an audience, he said, if I take a picture right now, this audience right now, 
and I turned the picture around and showed you guys the picture. What's the first thing you're going to look for in the picture? And everyone said their self. Mm-hmm. They said, now, for African-Americans, when you take a picture of the world or of your classroom, if you're the only black kid or whatever, if you're the one stand up, you take the picture, you're not in that picture. So when somebody doesn't see themselves in the picture, they tend to fade out. They tend to phase out. They feel like they're not welcome, like they're not wanted. And that's why you aren't seeing as many people even try to apply in themselves right. into the cannabis industry because they're just like, I don't have this. I don't have that. They don't want me. There's all these like stigmas that's put on us mentally to make us feel like we're not good enough. And when you don't have the money to do something, that's also right. under empowering. What's the point, right? Yeah, so that's why yeah, just- That to, feeling of what's the just, point. I encourage everybody to invite their friends and of color to, to everything. Invite them. If there's a chance for education, invite them. If there's a chance for good networking, invite them. And help empower your community on that way. Like that's just a, a good clean start right there. Just start inviting the people who you know aren't getting the access to the, all this awesome stuff we get access to. Uh, all right, let me ask you last question before, uh, uh, and it's it's something we talked about uh, the other day, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like, what can the white community do here to to meaningfully help and not tokenize non-white people in the Canada space? You know, like what is some, what would you recommend? Share your platforms and don't ask to control anything. Okay. Don't ask to control nothing. If you have something to offer, make sure that you really, really want to offer it. And then let the person that you believe in run with it. Let them use your platforms to to market their businesses. Um, also, invite your black friends. Invite them. Invite your Mexican friends, invite your Indian friends, invite your Hawaiian friends, invite your Tongan friends, invite your Asian friends, your Japanese friends, invite these people you know, you work with these people, you see these people, you smoke weed with these people at your house, but when you go to that fancy party, you're not inviting them. Right. Invite them, let them network, let them grow, let them become more empowered because the more stronger our circle is, the more uh, people in you know, higher places, we'll say, that we get to hang out with, Right. those are networks for us. We get to grow off of that. But if somebody's being kept away from those networks, they're not going to be allowed to go on that way and the struggle's going to be harder. So invite your colored friends to things. They, it, and you don't have to bring them all, you know, at one time. But but <laughs> but if you invite in five friends, make sure that two of them is black. Right. And You know, or whatever, whatever color, whatever. Just invite those people. You know, or even if they're they're not black, say they're your white friend, but that person is just clueless in the weed industry and you're going to a convention that's teaching nothing about marijuana, everything about marijuana. Mm -hmm. Take that person with you so they can be able to become more empowered. Those skills that they learn the from everything from the engagement to the verbiage that they'll learn at these conventions and these conferences, they can put on their resumes. Creating a, a weed resume to a lot of people is intimidating. They're scared. They're like, hold on, wait. I'm supposed to put this illegal stuff <laughs> on paper? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. How do I make this look professional? How do I do this? What's the right words to use? What, you know, how do I come off as a professional weed man? <laughs> you know? And mm -hmm. teaching those skills to people, or at least allowing them, like I said, to learn the verbiage and learn the networks that can teach them how to build a resume or how to 
get a grant. There's a lot of grant writers out here how to get a grant to help them do a business. Um, also to learn what licenses are still available that are not closed off to the public. You know, some people think, oh, everything's closed. No, everything's not closed. You know, there are still uh, LCC permits and marijuana permits and licensing permits being issued in certain categories. Everything's not closed. Right. So just making sure that you keep those uneducated friends in the loop of education that we're in, that's, you know, that, that'll help. That that helps. Word. And that's all we can do, you know, at this time, is empower people to take over niche markets that they have with inside of themselves and, and be entrepreneurs in this field. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think we should leave it there. Miss Oregon, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we go, where, can uh, can you tell people where how they can find you online? Social media, I'm big on Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, MSS underscore Oregon. Two S's. Yep, yep. MSS underscore Oregon. Um, same goes for Facebook and mm -hmm. Snapchat. MSS underscore Oregon is where you can find me. And, um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. This is, uh, you know, I mean, like, this is, uh, it's, I don't know for, for, for you if it is, but, like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a challenging conversation to have, and I really appreciate you coming in and having it with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's not challenging for me at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Fair enough. It's not challenging at all. Thank you for having me, for sure. I definitely enjoyed myself. I hope this so. is my first interview. I hope so. I'm going to remember this forever. <laughs> uh, again, thank you. You are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, and we will be right back. This is Cannabis is putting out a call for music submissions. In putting together this show, you know we play music during the breaks, and we'd love to feature as much local music as possible. If you'd like to hear your song on the podcast, please submit an MP3 to our email address. This is Cannabis at xray.fm. And if we use your music, we will shout you out at the end of the episode and in the show notes online. If you have a show coming up, please make sure to include the venue and date, and we will shout that out as well. Thank you for staying with us. You were listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland Craft Cannabis Company, Hi-Fi Farms, and with me is Emma Chasen, the founder of Eminent Consulting. Hello. Here we are again. Here we are again. It's like you're you're back. You weren't on the conversation, but here you are back. No, I'm like bewitched. Yeah. Bloop, bloop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, now is the time when we make recommendations. Yeah. Hello. Hello. What do you got? Brand new year. Uh, new you. <laughs> so, um, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is back. So okay. I will only be talking about this for every week. Quite Welcome some to time. Emma's RuPaul Drag Race Hour. It's All Stars. We're in All Stars four, and it is an incredible season. I'm already so excited mm -hmm. about it. Um, it's just like it's a great cast. There's a ton of talent. It's really funny, and um, I spent a lot of the break watching it with my siblings, and it was just amazing. There is a queen on the show, Monique Hart, who, like, her tagline is brown cow stunning, and she made up an entire song about are you brown cow stunning, and it's just hilarious and amazing, and it is, like, truly the second most brightest spot besides doing this show is watching that show <laughs> that's i take that as a high compliment because i know a how high much compliment yeah i'm obsessed with it it's my favorite thing what what is brown cow stunning okay so 
on so All Stars is when like queens from different seasons sure, sure. come I know, back. I, yeah, okay, yeah. and so on her season, Monique Hart season, um, one of the challenges or like one of like the runway looks was like something like denim. I don't know, mm-hmm. and she was wearing this print that was clearly giraffe print, and so one of the judges called her out on it in critiques and was like, "And you're wearing giraffe print?" And I'm really confused. And she said, "Oh, I thought it was brown cow." stunning and like that was it and she just like took that as Became her moment sound and, bo- sound and bite. exactly <clears throat> and capitalized on it so okay. like now it's her thing and it's just so weird and random but like good for you for for taking that and, like, good, and great making pivot. it your thing yeah. exactly yeah. um and she made up a whole song about it and in the first episode of all stars one of their challenges is like a variety show and she does like a full-on dance and lip sync to her song brown cow stunning and it's just like amazing right it's amazing and iconic and so weird and just like makes me just makes me laugh about the world you know not take everything so seriously yeah like in our intro awesome yeah 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 exactly <laughs> uh excellent yeah uh brown cow stunning so look it up monique hart brown cow stunning all stars for rupaul's drag race that's fantastic um all right well i have um i have three recommendations very quickly uh i saw a couple of movies over the break which i want to b- mm. recommend very highly the first one i saw was vice which is the new uh bio- biopic i guess it, on uh dick cheney Whoa. Uh, written and directed by Adam McKay, who mm. we're both big fans of. He did The Big Short. Oh, I love that movie. It's a great movie. Oh, it's so good. And Vice is a great movie, similarly. It's cool. not as good as The Big Short, uh, but it's almost as good as The Big Short, in my wow. opinion. And it's it's critically, you know, there's about a 60-40 split on it. Okay. Um, there are a couple of issues with it that... Um, uh, people, I've you know criticisms I've read, which I sort of agree with, but by by and large, I it, this movie's totally my thing. You cool. know what I mean? Uh, pitch black comedy about uh, Dick Cheney. Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney, and he uh, he should win a best he should win best actor. I don't know like what what who's going to be in the Oscar contention. Uh, the makeup should absolutely win an Oscar mm. because the. Christian Bale is Dick Cheney. Wow. It is as someone who like was a was a hardcore news junkie during the Bush administration, mm-hmm. uh, and I've done a lot of reading about those guys. I read Angler and I read the you know the Jane Mayer book, and and I've read you know a bunch of things during that period of time, the the dark side and uh, fiasco, and you know other books about uh, you know the lead up to the Iraq War, and and it doesn't just ha- take place during the Bush administration. It really tells the story kind of of his whole life, but but Bale is amazing mm. um and then steve carell plays donald rumsfeld oh, oh my god which is that's really great incredible. yeah he's really great uh as rumsfeld uh who's such a detestable character and sam rockwell plays george w bush um amy adams plays uh uh lynn cheney who is dick cheney's wife yes and she's great she i think she could well i think lady gaga's gonna win the oscar this year but like right, she should right, right, right. she, she, amy adams is gonna lose the oscar again this year she'll definitely be nominated mm. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, Vice, uh, the movie is I think was was excellent. Awesome. Um, and then the other movie I saw was a movie called Widows, hmm. uh, which is uh, written and directed by um, Steve McQueen, who did Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was also co-written by Gillian Flynn, who hmm. did Gone Girl. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a heist movie, and it's got Viola Davis and Carrie Coons and. Uh, I don't know the oh Michelle Rodriguez who was in Lost oh, yeah. and the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, and then there's another another uh, f- uh, f- a- a female lead. I don't remember her name. I, I hadn't ever seen her before. Um, a very striking tall blonde woman who's also very good at the movie. And then Liam Neeson's in it. Colin Farrell's in it. 
Um, wow. Great cast. Um, uh, Robert Duvall's in it. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a it's a solid heist flick if you you know and it's it's you know led by you know the the main group of protagonists are are four women um it is it is a really good twist and turns you know not ultra violent but violent you know mm. it's a caper movie um and so i i thought that was a really uh really great flick not as good as vice you know it's it's a, it's a genre pick uh, for sure, but but one that I also but I thoroughly enjoyed. Nice. Um, so widows, and then the last thing I want to recommend very quickly is a record that I listened to um, over and over again uh, during Christmas because I don't like holiday music. Who does yeah. really? Yeah. Um, but but I was still wanted to be in some semblance of spirit, and so that record is uh, Aretha Franklin's "Amazing Grace." Do you mm. know this record? Oh, it is. I think there's a. I, in fact, I know there's a movie coming out. Uh, of it soon it was a uh, it was it was recorded and i believe the early 70s maybe 1970 69 71 something like that uh the the album is amazing the singing on it is like not, is it's unparalleled is wow. my opinion and it was recorded in a in a you know in a church uh with a choir um but it's not you know churchy you mm-hmm. know and it's mm-hmm. a soul record and mm-hmm. and aretha franklin has is sort of the high point i think in my opinion of her talents and mm-hmm. of what kind of uh, she she is and was you know um, I've been listening to a lot of Rita Franklin since she died sort of at night yeah. with my you know I put it on for at dinner to have on the background when we have dinner with my kids mm. and um, Spirit in the Dark and um, To Be Young Black and Gifted and An Amazing Grace especially was just like the perfect holiday record for for me and my family mm, and which I've listened to it we listened to it pro- ten times wow. probably from like the twenty fourth to the twenty sixth so. Um, but it's not just, it's not a Christmas record, you know, it's right. just more of like, and I'm not a very spiritual person, but it's a spiritual record. And I, I highly recommend it. If you've never listened to Amazing Grace, like take, listen to Amazing Grace, mm. you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible album. And then I'm looking forward to the movie coming out, um, very much. So those are my recommendations. Those are great. Yeah. And it was a, it was a good holiday, at least for kind of media. Good. Um, for me. All right, so that does it for this week's This Is Cannabis. Please remember to email questions, comments, and musical submissions to thisiscannabis at xray.fm. Also, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at thisiscanna on x-ray. This Is Cannabis is engineered by Will Romney, and our theme music is the song Impossible OK by Portland artist Motric. Please be sure to check them out on Spotify. Wubba, wubba, wubba. Good night and good luck. Happy New Year, and thanks so much for listening.